up? Welcome to uh, another brand spanking new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 282. Um, that's the right episode number, right? Am I? Yeah. That, that felt right when I said it, and I just want to make sure that it's the right. It's a fact, right? Episode 282, a palindrome. There it is. It is. It is. Much yeah, like and one of the yeah, movies we're going to be talking about. <laughs> Before we get to that, I'm Steve. Who who else? I'm I'm pointing all around, but who's here? I'm Ron. We live in a twilight world. Yeah, we do. Um, but yeah, I'm John. I'm That's John. John. I was waiting yeah. for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're gonna be talking about. You're supposed to say there are no friends at dusk. I, I guess I can't trust you guys now. I, I know you're not. You're not actually members of of Tenet. I don't know that I've seen it yeah. uh, enough to remember that. <laughs> it's the kind of yeah we'll get we'll get into that a little later but yeah we're gonna yes, be talking yes, about yeah. tenant one of the movies we're gonna be mentioning uh having a little bit of a conversation about but we're gonna be talking a lot about news today a bunch of new stuff coming out this week um or news items dropping this week uh, right around the time that we recorded this new episode so um do you guys want to do the reviews up front or we were kind of talking about that is that the plan I mean, or what, is, what's are we gonna deal? do it are we gonna pull a christopher nolan twisteroo and, and put the review up front and do the and then just run out the clock talking about news yeah. is that what we'll we're invert the whole invert yeah. the whole podcast yeah. format yeah invert the whole podcast paradigm i think we're going beyond just format if you could mm-hmm. if you could cue up our music at the intro and play it backwards that'd yes. be great too john <laughs> So then, yeah, let's do it. Let's say, let's talk a little bit about Tenet. I mean, this was like, this is one of those movies that we've been talking about since the start of this pandemic. Because I mean, of all the movies that kind of, the major studios, you know, the big filmmakers, the the big marquee titles um, for this year that kind of made their move when it came to what to do in terms of the pandemic and and theaters and and what was available. You know, Tenet, Christopher Nolan, Warner Brothers, that that group. Um, they were like the one that kind of was holding out, moving around, sticking to the idea of, you know, wanting to release it in theaters, this major blockbuster, a huge budget movie, as all Christopher Nolan films uh, seem to be now. And, you know, and they released the movie, you know, where it could be released here in the States right around Labor Day. So, you know, and it did what it did. It didn't really make much money here in the States. But I want to say internationally, I, I do think it like uh, grossed over $300 million, which I think is 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 a huge loss um and that's got to be conceded as a failure i mean i i, I got to see uh the final numbers on this but i mean like this week when we're recording this is kind of when they released the movie in the digital formats and you know the, the, the they basically upheld the standard theatrical window where they did the three months you know and they're a purist in that sense and so is he and um so now that it's finally come out you know we finally have been able to see it and and talk about it so I don't know. Just like I don't know, Ronald. I think you saw it first, so why don't you jump off and and kind of tell us your take on Tenet, Christopher Nolan's Tenet? Yes, you were the you were the one who was here at the earliest point in the time loop of yeah. us seeing the movie. Some version of yourself was there. Right. I don't know yes. which one it was, but we don't know what past that was for you. <laughs> so one, I guess one of the things that was sort of the big headline of this movie was. Tenant is going to bring the movie that brings people back in the movie theaters, or at least that was a perception. I mean, it wanted his to. pedigree's pretty, pretty crazy, you know, like the Batman trilogy. Um, and every other movie that he's done has has been shrouded in this this sort of excitement. Um, and I can tell you that this is not the movie that will ever bring any human being back 
and being them back in droves the way that it, he predicted. And I, I think that part of the reason is um, it being kind of full of itself, it kind of eating itself alive. Yeah. And, and really the bigger idea is um, this is just a time travel movie. And, and I'm not trying to insult him. I'm not trying to insult anything about what he does. But that, to me, sometimes can be sort of the um, what's damaging about what he does sometimes. Like, uh, it's 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 a more pretentious version of whatever was perceived to be M. Night Shyamalan. Like, M. Night Shyamalan had a twist. And that was the whole thing. Like, oh, he's, he has a twist in every movie. And that's what makes him kind of who he is. Sometimes I think that what makes him... whatever people want to make fun of is him being so full of whatever idea it is. It's presented like something very like a a cup is a cup, you know, whether I drink out of a a flask or something, it's, it's, it's a container with water in it, right? Whether you spend $500 for it or $50 for it or $2 for it, the container is a container. And sometimes I think that he forgets, along the way that that's what makes stories stories that they are stories and no matter what you contain in them that they have to have some they have to not have holes in them it can't have holes in the cup it has to be able to do which it has to serve the function and some of that is like telling a story that makes sense to you in the end and 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 whether you want to be artsy about it or not I'm good with that. I'm good with RT. You know me. You know me. We've talked at this point. I will. I will take an indie. Oh I yeah, take you, a, you're, you're fancy. That's that's it. Uh, yeah, you're fancy. Yeah, I think we all have moments of fancy. You're so artsy. Yeah. You just gave us that whole thing about the cup. I'm gonna have to listen to this podcast a second time to be sure that I got it. But um, yeah, but just like Chris, you got Nolan, it, John. You, know, you got no. it. No. <laughs> I think one of the things that really bothered me was that I could not hear the movie. Oh my gosh. The the, the fact that look. I, so okay, so let me give you some 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 background on on my experience with Christopher Nolan. I went to um, remember the limited showing of the Batman with Bane in it, yeah, and, and they showed it in random theaters throughout, right? That was throughout the country. Yeah. They did it in random places. I went to the Smithsonian uh, with actually one of our coworkers and watched what may have been the hardest to hear thing I've ever seen in my life. You're talking about that, um, that IMAX sequence that was the sort yeah. of the heist your, sequence from yes. uh, the Dark Knight sequence. Rises. Yeah. Um, Bane's voice was inaudible. Right. Um, you Incomprehensible. Hear, you could hear it. You just couldn't understand it. You can, you can <clears throat> only hear the engine. Like, I'm yeah. telling you, like, you could not hear what he was saying. So you could see that, Lord, you know, you could see his mouth moving. You could see Bane's nothing, mouth moving? Nothing was coming out. You could see it moving. Yeah, you could see like the top part and the bottom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you could see it. Calm right? down, John. Calm down. We get we get what you're saying, Ronald. So to the point where like people had to complain and then we heard then I heard, you know, the theatrical version, which had kind of a a version where the audio was sitting on top of the movie. Where the audio of the movie was here, was was at the low, a lower level, and then Bane's voice was sitting on top of it. Right. So I can't figure out if this man is has a problem with audio. Like maybe he's deaf. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe, what, maybe wasn't that like a fuck you move in a way that like after people complained, he went and stuck yeah, Bane's he, voice in like this awkward. He, just he didn't sound. It sounded like it was piped in. It didn't sound yes. like it was in the scene yeah. at all. You it know? didn't sound like it was a thing. Scene. It was <clears> in the scene, and that has been like 
a, a problem for me. Like, I, I feel like there are things in throughout his movie, even Inception, because I've, I've watched a 4K version pretty recently, where there's just inaudible dialogue. Like, it's just like the music's too loud. And, the, and yeah. that was... yeah. What is he doing? I, I guess that's I, I feel what... like I feel like it definitely was like it became the problem where everybody was. I feel like was talking about it with Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, it, and, it became and, real. And, and 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 in this film's release, it's been exponential in terms of people talking about yeah. that. You know, when it was in theaters and critics that were able to see it. And I totally agree with everything you're saying. Like, I feel like if not for subtitles, I would have probably missed half of this movie. And, um, you know, having to force subtitles is not like, not that I'm, I like, I'm a fan of subtitles. Like sometimes I just have them on anyway, you know, but it's just like, um, yeah, to to use that as, or for me using it as a crutch, because yeah, there's a couple of scenes of this intended specifically when, uh, you know, when, when like, uh, and, uh, the Becky is are on that boat and like, he's basically telling her the whole thing. Like if I'm a, I've, I'm a tiger or whatever that, whatever that thing yeah. was, he was saying that whole scene on that boat, the mix of that whole thing was probably the worst of what you're describing in the movie. Like the, the you could hear the boat's engine more, the yes. ship's engine more than you could hear their dialogue. And that's like, yeah, it's a really weird thing. And you got to believe that there's like, there, 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 it can't be like, the exception that all these people are like complaining about that, like, like film yeah. critics, you know, cinephiles, yeah. audiophiles, like people who have a very like educated opinion on this type of thing. And I'm not saying I'm that at all, but you know, I've watched a lot of reviews and I listened to a lot of podcasts where people were literally saying the same thing you just said. Um, so yeah, I don't know what, what the cause is or like, you know, you wonder like, it, you know, half joking, like, is he have a hearing problem? But it's, it's not even that it, it's, it's just, it's gotta be in, you know, the way he just likes the mix, like with the sound and everything, like the, the sound editing rather than the mix itself. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it is really weird. And it, it was distracting, like beyond what we, what we will discuss in terms of like thinking about the movie, like you've already kind of gotten on, that topic, but the audio thing outside of just the, the movie quality, anything like that, the narrative, the plot or lack of, it's just, um, it's very distracting. It's, it's a bad, it's a problem, you know, like I totally, yeah. I totally agree with you. And, and even the speaking to what you were saying, like, you know, in terms of like, this is like a time travel movie or the cup is a cup analogy that you just used. Like it, it is that. And I think that that kind of is something that he's becoming known for that it's, it's almost becoming a problem, but I think it's enabling though, because he is Christopher Nolan and like, he is the one, you know, the golden boy at one or Warner brothers. And I, that, that time is obviously changing. And we'll talk about that when we get to the news portion of this podcast. But like, I think the, 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 the blank check nature and, you know, this, uh, the type of filmmaker that he is where he just, you know, everything he does is kind of like, marketed and presented and kind of packaged as like a shiny new thing where it's really not that like you just said like this is a time travel movie kind of mashed up with like a spy you know globe trotting adventure film um that isn't really as impressive as it's as it thinks it is honestly i totally agree that it's kind of you know it's a little pretentious and it's it's it seems it, it seems to think that it's like way more groundbreaking than it is 
And I think that literally, that statement is what breaks the film, I think, because I think that it kind of becomes way too stuck on itself. And, you know, and, and all of the, like, we'll probably, I guess, stay away from spoilers for the most part, because I don't know that we're not going to spend too much time. But, like, all of the ideas in this movie with time travel and inversion and going forwards and backwards, just the, the, the simple number of times that they do it, 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 it really does challenge the viewer to really keep up and understand what's going on in this movie beyond the audio problems, beyond narrative or a lack of plot, like just the, the flex that it tries to make in terms of like, look how slick that was. Like when he went through that turnstile, wasn't that cool? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, wasn't that bullet coming out of the, like, and I, and I'll say like a lot of the filmmaking I am impressed by, like, I think that there is a lot on the screen that is impressive simply because the scale of this movie is like massive. And, you know, there are some shots that I think are really impressive, but that all falls very shallow for me if I'm not like completely into the story and completely into the character and like have any feelings towards any of the characters in the movie at all. And I feel like that was a big problem for me with this is that I kind of felt cold the whole movie and did not connect with the protagonist at all and really had no cons- no interest in like seeing the the success of, of what they were trying to do. Yeah. What about you, John? I mean, you guys have touched on so many of the things that if you were going to go down the list of like things you've got to say about this movie, yeah. the sound yeah. design was horrible uh, or the sound mix was horrible. I mean, it's like whatever it is, whether it's an aesthetic choice, which I do think it is. I do think yeah. Christopher Nolan has all these stylistic tics yeah. That he kind of indulges in, and we kind of love him for it, and and we sort of mock him for it, you know. And obviously, yeah. we're taking a little bit of a of a critical tone to this one because it is so um, up its own ass, and it does spend so much time trying to explain this time travel concept that we sort of get, and and it is cool the way they visualize some things, and I think the technical complexity of some of those scenes you're talking about, Steve, where there's there's things moving forward in time and backward in time, and you have to try to keep track of that. And that is the game of this movie. It is a genuinely complex scenario, but the story is really not that complex beyond that. And the characters, even though I was sort of glad we didn't have like scenes of them at home with their families or someone's got a little girl that they're trying to save, I was sort of glad that the characters were devoid of those sorts of... um, uh, you know, like scenes that don't have anything to do with the main thrust of the plot. Because uh, I don't think Christopher Nolan handles emotional material that well, or at least like normal human behavior that well. Um, uh, I was sort of glad not to have it, but in a two and a half hour movie, you do end up with these one dimensional yeah. characters after a while. That's the key. Yeah. Um, I, I think the first hour and a half in particular are really self important and tedious. I think once it gets to a certain, well, maybe even more like first hour and 10, 15 minutes, where it gets to a halfway point where you actually sort of, there's a pivot as far as how the movie's fe- dealing with time and it's folding in on itself. And the midway point, I think it might actually be right in the middle of the movie, is when this point happens. I think from that point on, it was a lot more interesting to me. Like the next hour and change was sort of like, okay, now I see what 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 we're doing here. But it was yeah. like we didn't need all that time to set that up. I was reminded of um, what's the Tom Cruise uh, 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 Tomorrow. 
Edge of Tomorrow. I was reminded of that when I thought of here's a movie that gets into a complex time concept and it yep. does it quickly and you're off to the races within 10, 15 minutes. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I feel like it's very early in that movie no, you're that right. you're in yeah. the cycle of what you're doing and you're just seeing iterations. And, I, and not to say that, that all time travel movies have to deal with it the same way, but I think all this sort of the kind of egotism we're talking about of Christopher Nolan's filmmaking, that is why this movie is two and a half hours long and why it takes an hour plus to get to the real meat of what's happening. And also the stuff that is dazzling to look at and the sequences that are, you know, I do think a second viewing uh, would, would make certain things rewarding about this movie, the way that the opening has all these details that later will make more sense. But right. I don't think it had to be so, like... Yeah, grandiose about what is essentially a really simplistic story, a really bare bones riff on like a James Bond movie with with sort of familiar time travel concepts thrown in. What really makes it unique yeah. is the visualization of it. Like those scenes where, especially if you look at a making of, I did after the movie, I was like, let me find something to be passionate about. And I watched as, of some making of stuff. And it was interesting to hear them, the stunt people, the, you know, the people who coordinate those action scenes, all the training they had to do with the actors. Like uh, there's a scene where, is it John David Washington? Yeah. Is that his name? Mm -hmm. um, there's a scene where he basically had to shoot the scene four times uh, and you'll understand why if you've seen the movie, um, and play different parts within a scene. Um, I think that is what's interesting from a technical standpoint, and I can see how everyone involved would be like, man, this movie is this interesting sort of experiment on this grand scale, but the actual movie that comes out at the end is kind of pedestrian in a lot of ways, except yeah. for those those aspects, that, that Christopher Nolan scope, that scale, that he tries to do as much as possible within like the 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 practical physical world and it's all yeah. in camera and CGI is minimized that yeah. does make this movie feel special when you look at it but i don't think that's enough it just felt kind of like style and and not a lot of meat yeah no that's yeah. totally it what I, and one of the things that really bothers me is ex so uh, the rules of the time travel have to be defined pretty early or at least when the concept is presented introduced right yeah. uh, when you present the idea of time travel, uh, you have to simplify it enough that, you know, let's think about Back to the Future or Looper. Looper, to me, is probably one of the better explanations of some of a time travel concept that isn't quite as popular as some of the others. Right. So it happens. They explain the rules and then they kind of show you a version of it yeah. happening. Yeah. So they're like, hey, this is it happening. Oh, you can break this rule. Oh, yeah. If you do this thing. You can break this rule, right? As yeah. I'm watching this movie, I didn't understand what the fuck was happening beyond the fact that there were the rules were the rules that they were. Yeah. But that seemed wildly it, it seemed like almost in the way that if you ask me what is time travel, I'm just like, it just is the ability to go back and forward. Nothing else. Yeah. I wish that were it was a little more intricate. Yeah. <clears throat> I do think it reminded me of Looper in that one respect, in that the way that they handled time travel, it does have its own little set of parameters to it. But um, it was basically, you know, they say whatever happens, happens, which is kind of what they said in Endgame, wasn't it? Wasn't that one of the concepts they explain in that? Which is yes. that if something has happened, you can't undo something that's happened. You create a splinter timeline in that movie. Uh, in this movie, it's like you can just continue to refine the loop that you go back within and you can have multiple passes at a situation but you're not getting that sense of like um 
again, what you're talking about with the rules, like the parameters of it, it feels like, again, that goes to all this trouble to make it feel plausible. And then it takes these weird leaps. And then there's these moments where things happen that you're like, well, I'm not sure if that works that way. Like there's one moment that, and I think there were a lot of lines in the script that were there to be funny. And I really think that stuff falls flat. Um, John David Washington has a great physical presence. When When the action starts, I thought he was great. I, I don't know that he has like, there's something kind of, I don't know, soft in his demeanor. I kept trying to find it to be like an interesting spin on the leading man, but I, it kept feeling like he wasn't quite selling some of the dialogue that he was being given. And that might be a fault of the script. Um, Cause like I said, I think he was really convincing in the, in the, the large part of the movie where he's running around and kicking ass. Um, but, uh, um, but you know, there's so many things in that with like the dialogue where they're, they're selling these weird little jokes. And this one little moment that just struck me as like, now I'm really wondering is after there's been an explosion and the reference to, cause we're dealing with like inverted time. He's like, because this was an inverted situation, you uh, got hypothermia from the gasoline fire. Um, you know, and I was like, I don't know if that's how, if you reverse entropy, does that mean if someone burned up, they would get cold? You know, it's just, it's like, it was like a sci-fi concept where it was like, it was one detail too many where I was like, wait, is that really, are you saying, is that like a character making a joke or is that actually, you know, you're throwing in these little ideas. Um, there's so much, uh, like that in this where you feel them trying to make it plausible and then they throw in something that's really far-fetched that they don't really uh yeah. question do you know what i mean it's that weird christopher nolan mix just like yeah. in batman the way he tried to make all the villains kind of grounded and bring them into yeah. the real world um i, th- yeah. I think I, one of the things you just said i was actually going to mention that i i i feel like this more than any nolan film felt like the most miscast movie to me mm. like i felt like people in the movie that genu- genuinely like are good actors, actresses. Like I, I like them. Um, I, I do still think I, this is one more like strike for me against John David Washington. I don't, I don't know that I like him as an actor. I, I, I feel like I've liked movies he's been in. Even like Black Klansman is comes to mind. Like I love that movie. I, I don't love him in that movie. Me neither. And 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 he stood out to me as like the weakest part of that movie. And. I could not help but think the same thing in this movie, even though I didn't like really enjoy this movie all that much. And it's one of the, you know, weaker Nolan films in my rankings. The thing that stood out to me the most was just the lack of like kind of what you're getting at, John. I don't know. Like the, he felt horribly miscast to me. And like, there's something about a lot of the scenes that he's in, um, with Elizabeth Debicki, with, um, even, I mean, honestly with, even with like Robert Pattinson, who I think has like, really turned the page and he's like legitly legitimately like great i love i've loved him in mostly everything i've seen him in once he's kind of gotten into this new stream of performances that he's chosen Mm -hmm. um and i do and i do like him in this movie but i think it does fall victim to what you're saying like the performance that he's given in this giving in this movie it, it it is a little flat because i think of the script and like the movie itself i don't i don't think it's really able to reach a height that maybe it would have in under different circumstances but i don't feel that way for uh john david washington's performance like i i don't know man like i immediately like an hour into it all i started thinking about was how i felt walking out of black klansman and um i don't know if it's like the type of movies that i feel like he works in you know, I watched Ballers. I thought he actually was great on that show. And yeah. that was like the best performance I've seen him give um, on, on on his whole, you know, his whole arc on that series. 
Um, but ever since he's kind of made the jump to feature films, like I don't think I've seen him in something that I really even liked his performance in. I know he's got a movie coming out um, that Sam Levinson did um, with, I think, who else is in that? That, that Netflix movie that, that they shot during the pandemic. I'm very curious to see if that works any better. Um, but I don't know, man. That was like one of the big, like non-Nolan, non you know, like pretentious, pretentious nature of this movie that really kind of left me cold at the end was I, I really just don't think I buy him as uh, a leading man. It just did not work. I, I don't think his performance worked at all for me. Steve, yeah. you, you've opened up a can of worms, man. Um, <laughs> God, you, you got me, you got me in this headspace where Okay, so I'll, t- I'll tell you when you say that, what this feels like. You know how we were watching um, the miniseries on uh, HBO with, um, oh God, about the, the husband and wife and the murder. The Undoing? Um, the Undoing. The Undoing, sorry. <laughs> wow, that really it, stuck in your memory for a long time. Yeah, that no, was no, like no, two no, weeks no, ago. I don't, I, no, because, I don't blame you. I've, no, I've no, kind of, it's I'm, kind of drifted out of my mind too already. Because I'm thinking about an idea that, that I, is very hard to articulate, but I'll try. You know how sometimes we've, in the undoing, there were clearly people that weren't from America that were putting on American accents. Sometimes when I hear John David speaking, there's a there's an intentional, like, I'm going to say every word in the script without sounding natural, that bothers the living yeah. shit out of me. That that sucks the soul out of some of his performances. That feels like he's just going, oh, what the, What do you think would happen if I were to go? I'm like, you're right, what, you're right. what's happening? It's not natural. It's it not, sounds like it's, he's running lines, Ronald. It sounds like whoever he's acting with, he's running lines with them. And he's just yes. kind of giving them the flattest version of his line, and then they're giving a line back to him. But no, yes. I felt that cre- throughout, I, I, that exact sense you're talking about of like, there's this, it's almost like he has been trained you know, like a newscaster or something, to lose any kind of regional dialect or anything that yes. gives your voice flavor Look. and then be as flat as possible, which could work if it had oomph behind it. But on top of that, he's kind of soft-spoken. And yeah. I think that sort of is the icing on the cake of what we're talking about. It's just, yeah. It's, <clears throat> and I think that I think that the reason why the HBO show was as good as it was is it was something that he could attach himself to. Yeah. He was a he was a football player. Yeah, you, totally. you know, there's a there's a there's something in that script that he can grab onto. He's been in that situation. I don't know if he has the imagination right now, and this isn't like a permanent thing, to to assume the idea that you could be this person. And that could be for a couple reasons, man. Yeah. He's he's he is the son of the one of the greatest actors of all time. Sure. That might be some sort of like uh you know sort of formalness that he wants to give off some some regalness that he wants to give off to his performances <laughs> that he is forcing the fuck out of that drives me crazy it look I, I i couldn't figure out how to articulate it you said it and then i was like oh it sounds like a person that isn't from here trying to do an american accent or somebody yeah. trying to be very intentional or like you said a line read the, yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. It sounds very bland. There were parts where I was watching it. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, it, it's, a I, very, it's a very flat read. Like, there's a, a scene when he's, like, talking to the arms dealer, the, the woman. And, yes, like, I was thinking of that and, one, too. Yeah, that, that whole scene when they're walking and talking about, 
being the protagonist and he's like but i could be and like you know this this that, that whole sequence it i was like i was hard. like okay i'm okay saying this on the podcast if they don't agree with me that's fine but th- oh. this dude is not right like he something's not right we're all doing this <laughs> yeah so okay all right so this is what i figured out i want to say that i feel good that we're on the same page because i was no, nervous I was say, about bringing that you, up when you said that yeah. about that scene it's like because that's the scene i was thinking of the walk and talk scene where he stops yep. and he kind of gets his finger in her face and he says yep, yep. And, and and you brought up too the fact that he's called the protagonist that's a pretty yeah. that's a pretty pretentious thing as well yeah. it, it, it is, comes up it, a few it, times it's like christopher nolan likes to do that he likes to tell stories that like inception i think we talked about this it can be taken as an allegory for filmmaking or for storytelling yeah. um and it's kind of cool in a way sometimes to have a movie that maps to to an idea that closely but i feel like in this movie it just kind of smothers it to have those little notions that it's so worked out that the yeah. life has just been squeezed out of this world that you would literally have a lead character called the protagonist it's not just that they don't name him in the movie and then in the credits he's called the protagonist that would be no, pretentious but sort of okay it's yeah. the fact that in the movie several times they refer to him as a protagonist or he says that he's the protagonist so it's sort of like then when you watch the making of material guys and you hear people calling him the protagonist over and over again it really <laughs> yeah. will bother you because you're like does everybody think this is clever like the 5,000th time they've heard it because it starts yeah. to seem like it'd be better just to say Jimmy you know at a certain yeah, point yeah, yeah. yeah he, so, even, even him he calls himself the protagonist even yeah. at the end of the movie yeah yeah like oh god this so nuts. Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle one of his specials does this thing where he says I'm gonna tell you I, I think that I'm one of the best to ever do it I'm gonna tell you the punchline first and then I'll work my way back. So he tells right. this amazing story. It's that's what it is. It's it's it is a writing exercise. It is it is like it's it's an admission that he is perceived to be, or yeah. and may think that he is one of the greater storytellers of our time. And I do think he thinks that. <clears throat> he really does, man. Like so, okay. And he can, can make we, a case for it. He's made some he, he's he made some giant and like I can see why he wants you to see this movie on a giant screen. I can totally see that. I do think that it was diminished seeing it at home. I don't question that I would have been a little more swept away by certain parts of this movie if I'd seen it big. But yes, it's not. That's what he hangs his reputation on, and he's one of right. the few people that like beats his chest that much. I feel like. Yes. So he does something for me, man. All right. He there's an inception going on as I watch his films now. <laughs> I don't want anybody to tell me that M. Night Shyamalan's about a bad director anymore. He's made bad movies. He's yeah. made movies that I don't think are great. But I'll watch something like that, and I can argue that no movie that M. Night Shyamalan has made is as pretentious or hard to understand as that movie was. I'm tell that you're right. Teddy, when M. When, when, when M. Night gets beautiful... that pretentious, he's easy to understand. Yeah, yeah. It's still, it's, yeah, yeah. There's there's something about the way that this movie was like Lady made in the Water just... was pretentious and easy to understand. <laughs> yeah, it was pretentious and easy to understand. This was this was pretentious and and almost like, I, sure, man, we understood parts of it, but I bet I bet if you were to say if you if you were to have a definitive answer and you'd be like, hey, I think the answer to this movie is this, he'd be like, no, that's not what it is. He has to have some sort of like idea yeah. in his head of what yeah. it is. And it didn't come across. This mo- this story was not told well. That's what it is. The story wasn't told well enough. And the players, the pieces weren't... Man, I never thought I'd ever say that about John David. So, you know, I, I want to support John David because he is Denzel Washington's son. But this... 
This is a strike. This is not one this, thing you can say for sure is that the old man taught. He's a trained actor. He taught him how to enunciate clearly. Yes, <laughs> because he that. he does it so much. It's it's like, you know, man. I have feelings about it, and and you know, there's there's some nuance to the conversation. And I will say, and you know, if I could, there might be a fear in his head where he may not want to sound a, a very particular way on screen, in in context to some of these figures. He may not want to come across as like a, you know, kind of lazy speaker. Oh, uh, the thing, the thing that, that that supposedly they ask black actors to do all the time. Yes. Yeah, where they're like, could you I, could put you, an could you street like, this up or whatever? Yeah, like, right. Like if he did a Ugh. scene and, 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 and Christopher Nolan stopped it and said, "Can you say that with a little more feeling? Uh, Can you yeah. say that with a little more black? You uh. know what I mean? Like, I'm saying like I think that I think that John David's made a decision as an actor to kind of like make himself almost like a computer. Like I'm going to sound as bland in that, like, like you, you're right. No regional accent, no nothing, no, any, no affectation, yeah. just a voice that exists in the body of this person delivering yeah. this, this, this performance. But to me, what that does is it, it really takes away your identity. It really does make it feel like when I see Matthew McConaughey, I know that Matthew McConaughey can take his accent out a little bit, but I'm gonna get a little Matthew McConaughey, and that's okay. You also don't I'm mind right. when you see Matthew McConaughey in like a medieval story, and he's got a little bit of a twang. <laughs> You're just like, well, he kind of does what he does. You know, you know who you know who is speaking of accents and actors that are in this film. I did mm. not know. I did not know that Aaron Taylor Johnson is from Buckinghamshire, England. I always thought he was really? like from California or something. And I was watching All this right. movie going, oh, here comes Aaron Taylor Johnson. And he's, <laughs> for some reason, they have him doing this horrible British accent. And and then I looked up and he's from England. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was really surprised by that. He didn't strike That's me as English. Hilarious. But I really did think, man, he's slipping in and out of this accent, something <laughs> something fierce, this poor guy. I didn't, I didn't dislike his character. I thought he was kind of a, an interesting part in the movie. But again, like Christopher Nolan likes to do, they throw in these characters who are, you don't really know, you don't have a frame of reference for why you should care about them, and then you get to the yeah. end of the movie and you go, "Oh, well, they were more important than I thought." But like, yeah. you don't take any particular joy in watching them emerge from the background, nor do you have moments you can hang on to. There yeah. are moments in this that play as like they're supposed to be funny and they're supposed to be warm and that kind of fun, silly, campy part of this type of story. And I just feel like that stuff fell completely flat. Like yeah. those yeah. little moments of witticism. And I think the stuff we're saying about J.D. Washington. Um, uh, the people who know him well call him JD. Um, uh, I get that. That, um, like, it's, it's like, the, again, I don't think, he's not like a, to me, he was not a black hole of charisma. I really do think that, like, when he starts, like, moving on somebody, there's something. Oh, yeah. You know, remember how we were talking about how fun it was to watch, like, Henry Cavill uh, fight in, in uh, Mission Impossible or what? Like, certain actors are just fun to watch. When And I thought he was fun to watch when he was moving. But, yeah, there's something lacking. And, again, I think it has to do with the concept. It's this geared idea. Um, you're watching, uh, you know, like cogs in clockwork produce something that's supposed to, at a certain point, make you go, oh, shit, that's what's going right. on. And right. Christopher Nolan mm. loves to do that. And he has the patience to do that. Like a lot of filmmakers don't have the patience to put together something on the scale that he does. Um, and the visuals will get you pretty far. But yeah, I think yeah. that that's there's something in there with the characters and the acting in this that is the reason why it feels lesser than his his other movies that are guilty of a lot of the same stuff we're talking about, the kind of pomposity, but they somehow pull it off with an emotional moment or a hook of some kind, you know? Yeah. I also thought the villain was really weird. Oh, like, man. Kenneth okay, Branagh. If, if, if we're talking about John David, like, that's let's really highlight 
the villain in this. Well, movie the opposite called... form of acting is uh, yeah. Kenneth Branagh, who like they're they're literally bringing they're building new scenery behind him because he's just eating it yeah. uh, as the, he goes. Like turn turn the volume on one hundred fifty, <laughs> and then like he was such he was such a stereotype of a villain. It was very hard. Um, you know what's weird though. The punch at the end, the the one, the part that was supposed to be like the emotional moment, kind of sat with me. You know, the idea. Yes. You know, whatever the. the what, you the mean the very last the, moment between the characters? Yes, the very yes. last moment. Yes. Presenting that to a human being is devastating. Whatever, whatever the you know, whatever the the circumstances are with time travel and things like that, and then the punch at the end really did sit with me. But. You know why that part worked? Why. There's something about, but Pattinson is is like the bit of warmth you can get from this movie. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. he's the one guy who seems to be honestly as not just as an actor in the movie, but as a character, he seems to be the one guy who's having a little bit of fun doing this, or who has like a a, a heroic attitude about just throwing himself back into it. And I like what this, it suggests about him that he's just, you know, he's just working this this loop. You know, anyway, I don't want to say too much more, but yeah. But you're John right. That David last moment landed because of the that that felt real. The two men, their yes. kind of partnership. That's the one sort of human. Well, I guess some of the stuff with uh, Elizabeth Debicki. She's she's good, and so she's able to bring something to her part. Um, but I still felt like the, her relationship with uh, John David Washington was hard to categorize, yeah. and might be because of his his colorless acting that we've been talking about. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it was... yeah. I don't know. In general, it's definitely like sub subpar nolan for me i mean I, i'm in general i'm i'm generally like a big nolan fan like i love dunkirk uh his last film and uh and really most of most of the movies that he's put out i've i've loved so even the ones you know even the batman trilogy which you know varying degrees of general <laughs> general popularity but in general i i do enjoy all those movies but this is definitely a step down for me like it definitely got to Same. a point where it felt a bit too pretentious, a bit too full of itself, and like really kind of just trying to be clever for clever's sake and like do something different where it really wasn't doing anything different besides being like more like compounding, like confusing, you know, like yeah, yeah. It, it was like intentionally trying to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I agree, John. Like, I feel like I would have rather seen this in the theater. Just for the experience, I do think there's some filmmaking on on display, and you know, just like some of the technic technical achievements that's there. Like I, I do respect and appreciate that, and I I could definitely give that the movie credit for that. But as a story, as a you know, a narrative, it just didn't work for me. And you know, this would be a I don't even know what you, how we would say this like a well a hold up or a wait for it. I don't know. We wait we waited for it already. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though it's like you've already waited for it or yeah. we haven't waited for it yet right wow, wow. yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. i don't know don't mess me up with time loops man yeah. you know we've we've mentioned how like some of the screenwriting was kind of hard for some of these actors to deal with there's one moment that i just that really stood out to me i mentioned the line the little joke that, about gasoline freezing somebody that i'm not sure if we were supposed to think that's that's really what happened but there's another part mm. do you remember the part where they're like um elizabeth debicki has just found out that what's going on to some degree and they're talking about how this is going to be and they say this is going to be the end of the world and we know that she loves her son and they, they, they keep underlining that she loves her son and there's a part where someone says if that happens it will destroy every living thing that's ever existed and she says including my son 
Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of screenwriting that these actors have to deal with to be like establishing their character. You know, there's clunky stuff left and right in in this movie, but it definitely like they try to keep you apprised of the important things. So I really, I think we've kind of alluded to this already. It's not really that complicated of a storyline. It didn't have to be presented this in this convoluted way that makes it kind of hard to follow but i don't even think that's the main thing that you carry out of this is that it's hard to follow i think it was easier to follow than it was for me to sit through in a way like one thing about watching at home i liked is at least i could pause honestly that first hour and a half i was i was like this movie sucks for for like the first hour or so and then it started getting a little and then the stuff that happens later makes the stuff that happened earlier a little bit more interesting because you're you're contextualizing it differently but yeah i guess this is lower tier Nolan, for, for sure. sure. What, what, what's for your sure. favorite Nolan before we wrap this up? Oh, damn. Um, probably either. Ah, oh, man, that's tough. Thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh, you know, I love to, I love to, to pick the, the, the undercard. Uh, yeah, Memento. Uh, I, um, but, um, yeah, Memento is an easy picking away because that's the one that yeah. really established it but i feel like the prestige doesn't get a lot of I love the prestige. a lot of talk i think yeah, that's it's, a, it's a, i'm that's saying a really like he, he's got movie. like some real like yeah i mean i gen- genuinely think he's like quite impressive like i love all of his movies pretty much like i love inception i love dark knight you know yeah. um i i like i like interstellar a lot especially the way i saw interstellar was an experience like yeah. that that was like fucking amazing yeah um just theatrical experience like that's the one that of, of all of them probably that's been like that just blew me away but i mean memento in a, in a and theater. the prestige are both puzzle movies too yeah and yet yeah. they work because oh absolutely either the acting or the the characters are more clearly drawn totally 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 but yeah the, i don't know it's money man it's money it's like <laughs> when lucas didn't Break, have a it lot breaks of money you. to make it a breaks movie, you it does man when lucas didn't have a lot of money to make star wars those things were easy to digest and fun and great and but once the money came around, they got real convoluted and weird. And I think that Christopher Nolan has the same issue. Maybe like, Here, here's a Maybe. couple hundred more million, and he's like, you know what? There's going to be time loops and fucking <laughs> people walking upside down and running around. It's like, yeah, I love Inception though. That's if yeah. we're talking about complicated yeah. films. Yeah. Um, but again, that's, everything that John just said about Memento and Prestige, like those things oh, are present yeah. in Inception as well. Like yeah. you have a lot more character development. You have a lot more in terms of like just, you know, you, you start to, you know, there's empathy happening and, you know, there, there's just much more connection to the story on a personal yeah. level. But yeah, I don't know. We can, we can, we yeah. can chalk it up. We can move on. Yeah. Um, so moving away from Tenet, there's another movie that comes out um, next week. It actually comes out theatrically Christmas Day. I don't think it has anything anything released for like any kind of pivot or streaming window yet. I don't know if they're hold, holding on to the uh, the three month. I doubt it. But um, Carrie Mulligan stars in a movie that comes out called Promising Young Woman, which is like a really big title that was buzzed about a lot at the beginning of 2020 before the world broke. And um, at, at the festivals, I think at Sundance. And I heard a lot of people talking about it. And I, I, I did get a chance to see it, uh, to review basically for, for this podcast. We're not going to go too far into it, but I, I just wanted to mention that it comes out next week. I want to also mention that I actually thought the movie was great. Um, it's actually kind of like the opposite of how I felt about Tenet, which is that there's like a lot of character stuff happening, a really great <laughs> performance from Carrie Mulligan, and actually a really just impressive cast. Like there's a huge cast in this movie. 
that kind of makes it feel pretty special. It's very timely. It's kind of like a revenge thriller. Um, very timed to this, you know, to the Me Too movement and one of the maybe more impressive ones that have come out since the start of it. And again, I think the real takeaway from it is Carrie Mulligan. I, I think she's really pretty great in mostly everything I've seen her in, but I think she does something real special in this movie. And and Emerald, uh, I think it's, it's Emerald Fennell, Fennell, the, the writer-director of the movie who some people know from like Killing Eve, and I know that she was uh, Camilla yeah. Parker Bowles on The Crown. But um, this is impressive. Like This is like, I think, her directorial debut uh, for feature film. And um, I thought some of the filmmaking in this movie is, is awesome. Uh, the soundtrack is awesome. The score is great. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I thought this movie was great, and, you know, it really kind of left an impression on me, and, you know, I I would definitely recommend checking it out if, if, so- if that sounds at all interesting to you, uh, whether it's in theaters next week or when it comes to, you know, whatever streaming service or uh, digital rental that it probably comes to in, in the beginning part of the year. Because I, I do think it's probably going to be one that maybe gets some buzz around awards season for the performances and, and maybe even the movie. I don't know, but definitely for Carrie at least. Um but yeah, it's called Promising Young Woman. It comes out Christmas Day. Yeah, thanks cool. for the reminder, Steve. Honestly, I I, had, I would have watched it for this episode had I remembered that you were going to mention it. But um, I've been really curious about it, and it has been getting kind of universally uh, great reviews. It's yeah. If people should just see the trailer, it, it definitely is the kind of subject matter that has to be handled carefully. But I guess uh, you know, from from what I've heard, it 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 seems to be doing that. Like people, a lot of people like you have mentioned how timely it is. So yeah. So I think those are the two features that we're going to have, and then we're going to move on to some news, right? Like, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're trying to kind of condense this down as much as possible so we don't go for two hours on this. Right. Okay. Um, so where do you want to start? Ron, like, I'll throw it to you. you. You kind of dropped some news items you wanted to bring up. Um, I wanted to talk about um, what is con- what has been considered a tirade, but um, Tom Cruise's... Um, screaming session, uh, yelling session um, with regards to COVID-19 practices on set of right, the movie right. that he was filming. Right. Um, you know, I, I just, this is a strange time we're in. Um, and I think some of it is kind of, everybody's getting triggered. Every, you know, we all have our sensitivities, but, you know, a man trying to protect people uh, can come across a little crazy if he's yelling at the top of his lungs. But I don't think people realize how dire the situation is with COVID. You know, it's one of those weird things. We've all had friends and have read a post where somebody's like, oh my God, I didn't know how crazy COVID is. My family member has died. You know, I've, you know, I've, yeah. I've read about five or six of those. Yeah. One was a kid, a kid because they went to a cookout and didn't pay any attention. We're just kind of hanging around, had some people around, kid got sick, died within two weeks of getting COVID. And right. look, I'm I'm not here to judge that part about it. You know, people's but people's practices with regard to other people is what makes this so serious, right? Sure. Sure. If you want to get other people sick, that's cool. I mean, if you want to get yourself sick, that's cool. But getting other people sick and affecting their well being is what is the the issue with practices, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. It's, you know, how do you guys feel about it? Um, I mean, I don't know that, like, the way he handled it is probably fully appropriate. Right. But I, 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 I do I do feel that 
it's definitely on brand for Tom Cruise because he is mm. probably the most like you know that's totally Tom Cruise you know like and that's not to dismiss it or to okay that behavior because I don't think that the behavior is probably necessary but I feel like the motivation or the intention or the real you know what he's saying is I, I think what he's saying is important personally like I feel like the idea that you know this is not a movie that he just stars in he's a producer on this movie so like yeah. you know these are huge movies like the Mission Impossible movies are no joke and these are huge productions and I mean you hear about you know what he says in it is really accurate if you read if you read the industry stuff, which is that, you know, these productions that are happening over in different countries that are not in the United States, you know, they're they're being looked at and in, in terms of like this is how you get it done, this is how you do it, this is how it works, so that you know when you hear that it's not working over there, that does trickle down to make them change how things can operate here. You know, like so what he's saying, I think there's a lot about you know the the industry and you know, what works, what doesn't work and like what that immediate impact is on not just the production, but like on people's livelihood, like you're saying, Ronald, and like he says in the thing, you know, I don't know, I don't know all the details on even like really what, uh, what, who did what and you know, what happened. I, I didn't read all the details of it, but I mean, I just think in general though, like, you know, being that outspoken about it and trying to be I guess the intent is to be like a leader, you know, a, a driver in terms of or a producer, you know, to make sure that things don't get shut down and that people aren't getting sick and that you're listening to what you're supposed to be doing. That I admire. I don't know that I can condone like screaming and cursing and, you know, basically just going off on a bender in front of like a large group of people who you are to be seen as a leader. You know, it some may be inspired by it. Some may be, in, you know, empowered by it, but. I don't know that that's the direct approach, and um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think that it's important. What he said is important. I do, I do genuinely believe that. Like, I feel like they are an example. You know, they've been back in production for a long time, and you know the amount of money they spend on like testing and like you know all the precautions that are put in place just for people to like not follow them in their place of work is like is absolutely infuriating and frustrating to me and honestly like looking at it in my world in my bubble when I go out and see people not following things that they're supposed to be doing in their workplace it's like completely it's disgusting to me to be blunt like it really I feel bad saying that but it really bothers me that you know people that have a job that are fortunate to have a job aren't taking it seriously enough so that they can keep that job and that people can keep coming to their you know to their workplace you know things like that but um yeah, I guess though in true Tom Cruise fashion, it's kind of turned up to eleven and you know, kind of just out there. If there had been a couch nearby, he would have jumped up. He's uh, probably or, on or a couch. Pulled. We don't know. We well, don't know. yeah, I, that's what he stands on a couch so that he's <laughs> you know he's as tall as the other actors. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's hard for me not to just filter that through. There's something unseemly about a gazillionaire yelling at a couple of. Uh, you know, workers, so to speak. Like, I feel like yeah. there's something unsavory about the way he went about it. There's something that feels bullyish and, uh, uh, you know, we talk about full of, full of himself on Christopher Nolan's side. Like that sounds very full of himself to, there's a way to handle that. That's not offensive. That wouldn't embarrass people that wouldn't make every, wouldn't make the news and it right. would be much more effective. So I, I think it's pretty disgusting that kind of behavior, but I understand tensions ride high and I understand yeah. that we all know that feeling of, of, uh, you know, about something, no. especially like you said, Steve, but these people were wearing masks 
they they were standing too close together was my understanding they were within yeah. six feet of each other but again i don't know how much he sees around the set and it was the the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever so yeah, yeah i can't i can only say this is one of those items where i'm like this doesn't seem like it should have made the news you know and there's a no. lot maybe that could yeah. have helped that uh yeah. i think tom cruise would be the main guy who could have stopped it from making the news but yes these these are serious things and obviously uh, you know, an industry is trying to lurch back into life with productions like this. And when you hear about how they do it and they're in production or they're finishing this and they're shooting that and you go, oh my God, how do they do it? Well, it's yeah. because they have tight control and they have all these standards. So in yeah. some ways, that's an environment where the little slip up matters less because it's been, people have been vetted and people are being tested and everything is being watched. But in other ways, it's like, yes, you're jeopardizing this whole operation if you don't follow these simple rules. So, right. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's the same shit we're all trying to do right now. Um, and yeah, you, you, you hate to think people were being cavalier about it or being brazen about it. That I don't know. As far as just slipping up, um, you know, I could totally imagine myself slipping up and standing too close to somebody uh, or looking over someone's shoulder if they were asking me a question or something. And and you would just hope that at, in that moment, you wouldn't suddenly have the, the rage of, uh, of uh, Ethan Hunt uh, raining yeah. down on you. For God's uh, sake. Yeah. I'm but, just... but yes, I think people hear that and you relate. It's a Christian Bale thing is what I thought of, like, yeah. you know, that from a few years back. And I think people love that kind of shit because it, there's something kind of fun on a weird level about seeing that these people are, they have regular human emotions and that they, they can blow their top just like we could. But then you see like, oh shit, they actually get away with something much worse because if you blew your top like that, you would be the one who was gone from your job, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. There's Self a double standard for sure. Selfishly, it feels like it felt kind of cathartic just like listening to him go off because I feel like I've been in situations where I've oh, just been man. like, I just like wanted like, what are you doing? Yes. Do you not understand what you're supposed to do? Like, and, and I've just removed myself. I haven't said a word. I just left. You yeah. know, I've removed myself from an unsafe situation. Uh, but, but like, again, I feel like the unsafe situation that I encounter or that you encounter is more unsafe, perhaps, than this Possibly. this I don't brief know. encounter was. We don't really know what yeah. happened. Yeah. We don't know how severe yeah. it was. Just like we don't know if the guy right. who pissed Christian Bale off that day, if he really was just walking through, right. doing right. what anybody would do, or if he was a guy who should have known better than to ever be where he was at that moment, you know? So right. it's like... Right. it's right. like. Um, but, you know, Tom yeah. Cruise didn't come up with anything as catchy as, good for you, at, like from the <laughs> Christian Bale movie. Uh, uh, as 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 much as Tom Cruise would like to take credit for the system that's ha happened in the NBA, literally had a whole season of way more people in yeah. one place and did it, and nobody got COVID, and it was because of people actually listening to rules. And I think it's amazing what happens when you do that, yeah. right? And and I guess what's going to be very weird is you know when we look at three hundred thousand people have died in the USA from. COVID. I mean, that's there's no way around that number. And I think that maybe through the news cycle, people kind of act like this isn't a, a, a huge thing. It's yeah, it's a big deal. And, yeah, and, and I would be enraged if I saw someone practice not practicing the rules as well. And I think that somebody acting like a life or death situation being handled by somebody yelling at you isn't a, isn't normal. I, I I've seen people yelled at for less. I don't think that it's not, of course it's not right. Of course it's not right to yell at someone. But if you're faced with the idea that somebody could give you a disease, give you a sickness that could kill you, yeah, yeah. I would probably yell at you too. I'd probably yell at you too. He was kind. That was the kindest yell I've ever heard in my life. He hard he, he didn't even call them names. He didn't he say was, you stupid. Stu I, well, he was he was saying he was saying you motherfuckers. 
<laughs> There's a point in it when you like feel like he's looking at a guy and saying, "You motherfucker, don't look at me." Like he he says that. He says so, that. Yeah, there there is a part I in it where it. where he like that. calls out a person, it, it, not not by name, but you could tell like in the space. He's looking at a person. He says, like, you or something like that. Like, don't you oh, ever man. do that again? Or he says something along those lines. Mm. It is, it is, it is, you know, it is inappropriate. You know, like, I don't, so again, I, I don't, I don't agree with the delivery. I do, I do completely understand and back the message, though. Oh, no. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Like, the fact that, yeah. again, it, I don't society. care what the scope was. Right. I don't care if it was like the six feet thing. Like, if that's what you're told that you should be doing to, to keep this production running. Please, like, do not fuck up. Like, just keep it going. Like, for everybody's benefit. Like, yeah, you know, be you've been doing this so well for so long. Now's not the time to like drop off and like, you know, fuck around or whatever, whatever was happening. But yeah, yeah. I mean, well, right. I, I guess the, the story I heard did not sound like people had were fucking around. The story I heard sounded like two people had drifted close to each other and could have been told, hey, 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 watch what you're doing, and it would have been fine. You know, that it didn't right, need right. to be this excoriation and threaten of being fired and all that stuff. But if that's how you like to parent, uh, Tom, then, you know, you can you can be that way on a film set, too, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> that said, I can't wait for the next Mission Impossible movie. No, I'm so glad they're making it. <laughs> Especially those, after, uh, after the Tenet experience. Yes. No, yeah, I, yeah right. Honestly, you want to, you know. I feel like you so, want that. That's the fucking movie to watch. Those movies are aces. Yep. So is it going to be like, it, so when movies get made now, is it going to have like a made in know. a safe COVID environment in the I hope corner so. of a post? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> it's gonna, it's it should be like tagged it. at the end of it, like in the little like shot on location uh, in London while practicing COVID uh, whatever. It's going to be like a little angry Tom Cruise face that's just going to be stamped in the corner to let yes. you know. like In like a Mr. Yacht, like. <laughs> the Tom cruise protocols were, with, were enacted with a mask, with a mask. um yeah. all right what else we got we gotta we gotta get through a couple more things here we got well you mentioned uh, dave Chappelle earlier he oh, was in the news right. this week there was kind of an interesting thing that just i just i i i find this an interesting story because it shows you something about dave's clout but it also shows you something about this notion in the modern age we have that something is available and it should just be available forever and it's just going right. to be on some service yeah. or another and the way you almost feel ripped off and angry when you look for some some you know well-known thing and you find that it's not readily available i do have that feeling but i also recognize that things don't have to exist and be available forever and uh this week uh it was at hbo max that agreed to finally pull um the Chappelle yeah. show the entirety of Chappelle show uh for the time being i guess until he settles whatever financial uh situation he has going on but netflix agreed to take it down recently too obviously yep. they're in business with dave Chappelle. the the bit yeah. you referred to earlier ronald is from one of the specials he's done i guess netflix probably gets a lot of play on those they they've done a couple you know like a couple blocks of them at this point um yeah so, I mean, I don't know. To me, that's both a sign of how how these companies are wanting to play ball with Dave Chappelle, and they know that he's felt burnt in the past by the way that his work was being received uh, right. and handled, and now he's talking about who's profiting off of his work. And then, yeah, the other side of it is, you know, the thing you love, it could the, the creator might like to see it taken down. You never know, you know? So it's just like, yeah. uh, I don't know. I just, th th things won't always be available forever. Yeah, it's a strange thing. I mean, I guess... That's one of the things that's really cool about purchasing thing your, things yourself is that you have them, you know, whether it's digital or physical, that purchase is actually yours for the most part. Like, I've never had someone just say, hey, this thing that you own, we're going to take this away from you. 
Except so for that time you lent me that Blu-ray and I never gave it back. Oh, damn it. That is one example. So I guess that could happen. <laughs> there are exceptions to the rule. And and I think that there's something really cool about, uh, you know, the history of yeah. things being talk, taken from artists that they can yeah. they complied. I mean, it took a little longer than Netflix, but they complied, which means that the business, it's so strange, the idea that a, a person can make something and not profit from it, right? So I guess you could contractually do something like that. Like, but is that a good thing? Are you a good person for doing that? And what's also a very weird layer to it is the people that probably set that standard of him not getting paid may not even be employed there anymore. So like, you know, it's up to the people that currently work there to make it right. And And and, and, And to continue that forward. Yes. You know, like yes. to consider that for, for yeah, for future, you know, for yeah. So yeah, no, it's interesting. Congrats, Dave. Yeah. Hopefully you get your money. No, I was about to say Speak. the best the best thing would be if he got paid what, what was fair for what he has yeah. contributed, but now nice little uh pivot. Speaking of HBO Max. Mm. Yep. Look at look at that. Look at that. Finally. Finally. As of today, recording this podcast, it's finally available on yep. Roku. I know they they announced that it was like on the what was it PS five or it was one it was like that same day they announced it was going to be yeah. there too, but um the big thing was the Roku and you know we we were talking about this there's probably not much more we can say about it besides celebrating it is that it simply is like the final thing that they were missing and it's like you know the week before Wonder Woman eighty four rolls out day and date on their platform there's no doubt yeah. that you know the 50 million people i think you know that subscribe to roku or that that you know run off of a roku, roku platform will have the ability to you know sign up and check out wonder woman um which yeah i plan to watch on my roku on christmas day yeah um it's exciting stuff and it's amazing that it lasted i'll, I'll be honest it's amazing that it lasted that long yeah and 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 if and if this if this rollout this distribution model change didn't happen for Warner Media or, or HBO Max, I don't know you know when it would have ever happened because like I yeah. think there's a weird thing happening with HBO Max where like their numbers are so bad that like they've burned bridges like with filmmakers like Nolan we mentioned <clears throat> with Denny Villeneuve like from Dune like all these people are speaking out. Yeah, I was going to mention that uh, Denny has joined the fray. Yeah, um, like his his letter like I read that earlier today like. You know, they're kind of speaking out like the creators, the production companies, you know, that that had no idea like Legendary has spoken out about uh, uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong. Like just this idea of, you know, what they decided to do to kind of promote a platform, HBO Max, but possibly like, you know, and the way they went about it seems questionable, you know, and, you know. It's just all these pieces are moving into place, like where they have it on all the platforms now, and they've decided to put all these movies out on it now to try to get subscribers. But in the effort of doing that, they, they've they've definitely lost Christopher Nolan. You know, like there's there's he's gone. Like he's he's completely like shit on Warner Media, and and, and that was a it's, big it's, like it's that, that was one yeah. of the few like that I can think of of those modern like director studio relationships that yeah. that lasted so long totally. and was so huge totally. so that that seems significant i have to admit like i mean i'm kind of split i think we've talked about that decision and we like the fact that we're going to get to see those movies yeah. soon and i yeah. don't like the idea that it's going to do permanent damage to the theatrical model but i also can imagine being one of these directors and just thinking well you're you're not so much that 
Like, I don't really buy into the whole idea that, oh, you're hurting my art because it needs to be seen in the sacred chapel of the cinema. I mean, we all want that. We'll all get back to that yeah. as soon as we can. Totally what agree. what I think is more strange about it is the very thing you were just talking about, Steve, the fact that if I were Denis Villeneuve or if I were um, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan or any of the other directors affected by this, I might be like, so what, I'm just like a... I'm just part of the package you're trying to offer subscribers now. Like that I'm, I'm, I'm incentive for people to subscribe to your service. That does feel kind of like, it's like, okay, now when I start to think about this as an AT&T decision, you know, this is a, this is not a creative decision. I can see that. I still feel like that's like, uh, Denny Villeneuve's, um, kind of open letter thing was a little bit juvenile to me about the whole like i love cinema or whatever long live cinema but i also think that like yeah dune is clearly a movie that has been made with this kind of you know the kind of quality control we're talking about with a christopher nolan movie or a or a mission impossible movie or something where they're trying to show you something that you can't see any other way and seeing it on the giant screen i you know that would be a shame if by the time dune dune comes out next year uh we're not going into theaters yet um and you don't get to see that stuff giant i can see why that would be crushing on a certain level but it feels a little entitled to make such a big deal out of it when people are dying (laughs) i don't know to me it just feels like there are bigger deals uh but it is an interesting thing and i'm I'm always going to side with the creative people on a certain level, but um, so yeah, it's more about were they sneaky about the way they did it? Uh, less it sounds of, like less it, it about like what more, they yeah, did for me. Like yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it's I I do understand the idea that this would frustrate people. You know, the 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 movie experience is a unique one, but part of me wonders if this might be one of those situations, like you know, in the the nineties when television wasn't considered legitimate art to to actors you know like when, yeah there was a time when we like if you would have told julia roberts that she'd be on a tv show limited series she would have spit on you on a streaming service on a streaming service yeah right so like, like what is that be, she would have said yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, i mean that, that's there's there's an idea that you're right, you're right. maybe sometimes historical context for things is very hard for people to see that you know you're trying to look at the you're trying to look at the roof of a house from a, from the front door and you, you sometimes you got to back up a little bit and you can see what's going on there's something about the way that this is framed even by the way that Christopher Nolan talks about this stuff sounds like an old person mm-hmm. like and I don't mean like old in the way like age I mean like like uh rigid like in a way that like they're young, they're older people that move with the times that yeah. can deal with new things. And there are people who are like 20. I mean, this could be somebody that's 20 years old. That's like this. This thing can't be a thing because I've never known it. Right. Or, okay. or this can't be real because I'm watching it at home. I feel like that distinction it, it, exists in their minds much more so than it does for the average viewer, yes. even viewers of a certain age like myself, where it's like, I, 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 I don't feel like I'm downgrading. Some of my favorite stuff has been made for the, uh, the home screen, you know? Yeah. So to, to think that like, you know, that, oh my God, people are going to lump me in with, uh, uh, Better Call Saul and uh, and Mad Men Queen's and, and, and Queen's like Gambit and and it's like okay yeah a lot of great stuff has been made and for a few years there different people were saying oh the best stuff is being made for television so this notion that that somehow deflates it is a problem I do think though when you're talking about sheer spectacle I think even Wonder Woman eighty four when we see it as much as we may enjoy it some part of our brains is going to know oh that would have looked cooler uh, oh, you sure. know fifty feet across um, yeah, absolutely but I I still feel like 
keep, th- this whole idea of getting it going and getting this content to people, and I know that there's a lot of artistic people out there that hate the word content, um, but I just mean getting stuff to people where they live right now and making it easier for people to follow these rules that we're talking about that we follow. Um, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's a weird thing to cry about, but I get that on a, on a perfect day where there's nothing else to argue about. The idea that streaming services are making these, or that companies are making these unilateral decisions to, sh- to please shareholders and they're kind of shunting the artists off to the side. I do think that that's damaging in time. And especially for someone who takes himself as seriously as Christopher Nolan, you know, you, you're going to lose a, you're going to lose that kind of like, whatever you want to call it, prestige signing that you have for your studio. If you treat the artists that work for you that way. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. Agreed. Yeah. What else we got? Anything else that you wanted to talk about? Was there any other news? Was there anything else? Hmm. I don't see big. I think that might be it. I think that I might mean, be the, it for me too. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Did you uh did you want to see anything else you wanted to mention, Ronald? Any other reviews? A little quick uh Um No way. You haven't watched anything else? This is when no. we cut to just a spinning top. <laughs> Well, you you guys tell me what you've seen, and I'll let me let me. I've seen nothing. Yeah. I've seen you've nothing seen. except for Tenant. <laughs> since, <laughs> since we last recorded, dude, seriously, I I I like it's it's like it's a task. Like, give me two and a half hours to watch a movie. Wow, that's a success yeah. in my book. But I've seen <laughs> nothing else. Um, let me let me think. Uh, no, no, I honestly. Well, just oh, save I, it. Okay, good. Yeah, I did see one movie. Um, I did see the Drew Barrymore movie, The Stand In, <laughs> about the the stand in yeah. for a very uh, famous star. It's kind of like a, a Melissa McCarthy, kind of a physical actress, comedic actress. Um, like her double. Who, yeah, her oh, double oh. takes yeah, her she, place in actually, rehab or something. Yeah, she's called a stand. She's she's called a stand in throughout the whole thing, but she is a double. Absolutely. And, you know, while, you know, the, the actress decides she just kind of wants to give up, um, the stand-in takes her place. Okay. Um, and it's it's interesting. It's, it's definitely a commentary on the way that um, women are perceived in the business. It, it really is like a dark comedy. And I, I thought it was pretty solid. I, cool. I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Update uh, on uh, News of the World. I still haven't seen it. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, they, they, I got I reissued a screener link, and uh, and that link also is not working. Steve, man. It, it lets it lets it lets me access it. I've, I've, I'm working with them now to try to get this fixed. But like it's like yeah, it's working, and I get in. And it's like you currently have nothing assigned to you. I'm like cool, I'm never going to see this movie. <laughs> I'm so sorry, man. Man, but yeah, That's uh, awful. that'll be an ongoing thing on this show until the, well, I guess it comes out next week. Yeah, but uh, you know, we'll see if I see it by the time it comes out. Uh, cool. All right, man. Well, yeah, I, I plan on trying to watch a couple things uh, this coming week because I got a couple things lined up. Oh, you know what? I did watch one thing. I'm lying to you. I watched Come Play. Oh, how was Come Play? Did you Was have you, you seen like? it, John? No, I was very curious about it though. I it's like the weird. That are like it's weird. It's. I think for the most part, it's not very good. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally downloaded an adult film called Come Play. Oh, uh, yeah, that that's was, where you went wrong. Yeah. Also, not very good. Yeah. No, really um, not. Really not. <laughs> um, 
No, it's weird because like some of it is really good. Like some of the stuff like with the it's so basically it's got this like, you know, the, the idea is that there's like this, you know, this autistic child who um, um, John Gallagher Jr. and uh, Gillian Jacobs are, are his parents. And um, he basically uh, stumbles across this this creature that lives in this other world that like communicates with him through the screens, like our screens in the world. Like we, we've become so isolated and addicted to screens that there's like something on the other side of it that oh. is, is, is as lonely as we are, or it perceives it's as lonely as we are because we're so reliant on screens. And he especially is because of his, you know, the autistic uh, child is because of his need for the screen all the time. It's how he talks and he watches shows. Like it's what he connects with. Mm -hmm. uh, there's like a specific connection, like SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Uh, in the movie, which is super, yeah, it's like a random little like thing that's in there. Um, but some of the stuff is really cool. Like there's some really like kind of chilling sequences, and it's got like it, it is an Amblin production. Um, it definitely has that vibe to it where they're really, <clears throat> you know, and this is no spoiler, but there's really not any like dire stakes. Like you know, there are moments of genuine fear and dread, and um, you know, a, like overall lack though of like death. I guess you know. Mm. Um, where it feels like it should be happening or it could be happening. Um, some of the performances are really kind of not that great. A lot of the kid actors in the movie aren't, aren't that great. Um, especially the, the lead child I thought was like, you know, um, I don't know, just something was off. Um, but it was weird. Cause I, I kept going back and forth on it. Cause there'd be a couple runs where I'm like, Oh, that scene was awesome. Cause it does a lot with like electricity and like the, it, it, it using it, the, the creature, his name is Larry, like using, the power from our world to mm -hmm. cross over into it. Yeah. And it's, it is, is and, it, and, it, and it's like creepy because like it presents itself as like a story and like you read the story on your tablet or your phone or whatever. And the further you get into the story, the closer you are to this, this Larry character. And like, that's what enables him to like cross over mm -hmm. and like, and reach out and, and, and kind of be your friend, you know? And, there's something to that that works in the movie that it is really kind of sad and like kind of scary that there is something. It kind of sounds like know, a creepypasta like, Slenderman it, it, kind of thing. It, it you know? sounds, it, it's very reminiscent of Slenderman and yeah, creepypasta is a great, yeah, I'm sure it pulls from something. But I don't know, like it was okay. Like I, I thought like it kind of got really cheesy towards the end of it, but there's a couple of really cool sequences like with what they do with the idea of like lights and like lights going out and, you know, using that as a, means of telling where this creature is mm -hmm. um which was kind of cool um and i really love john gallagher jr like you know he's not in the you know he's like a he's the father he's not in the movie a ton it's more of a the mother son or the key parts of the movie but um i really like him so I like i'd like to too. see him in more stuff um he was great in 10 cloverfield lane <clears throat> oh my god so good um but all, that also is a great movie yes that's um, right <laughs> That helps. Between that and this. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is, but yeah, I don't know. That was the one I, I got up early one morning. I watched that and I completely forgot about it. But yeah, I did finally get to watch that. I'm, I'm kind of like trying to chip away at all these movies I've kind of backlogged. And yeah, that was one I, I it was like an hour and 25 minutes. Like, yeah, I can make that happen. Yeah. So yeah. But nah, not so great. Not so great. But, but on to better things. Hopefully next week we'll be able to talk about some more stuff. Yeah. Um, before Christmas. Unfortunately, we won't be able to see Wonder Woman or Soul, it seems, but we'll right. have to check it out and, yeah. and, and catch up after we both or all of us see it. Yeah. After we see both of them, 
maybe talk about both of them the week after. But um, do you guys have anything else you want to mention, say, no time. put out into the world? <laughs> well, if you're okay. going to get started on that, we could go for another hour. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, movieshmovie.com is the site, facebook.com slash movieshmovie. We're also on YouTube where we have the videos going up now. Um, so if that's your preferred way to watch this, that's awesome too. You can find us on YouTube. Um, and yeah, man, if you, if you, if you still listen to the podcast, if you're listening to this on a feed somewhere, please subscribe, please rate, please review. It's been something we've said for every single episode. I think that since we started doing this podcast, we still don't have very many reviews or ratings, mainly on like Apple podcasts. So if you do listen to us on there, um, we really appreciate it. If you could just even just do a rating, even if you don't write a review, I don't want to take too much of your time. Just do a little rating. That'd be great. Please. Um, We're low maintenance. Really, yeah. It's super simple. We do so much for you. Unlike a Christopher Nolan movie. We it's want super one simple. One little thing from you, you know, <laughs> yeah, one little review. Yeah, just one thing. Uh, cool. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. And, uh, guys, good seeing you both. Yes. As absolutely. always. Um, yeah. And always, as always, uh, you made our day. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Get, get ready, because you was excellent.